Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. And my guest in this podcast, please welcome Creative Director of Sydney World Pride, Dan Clark. Hey Regina, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for coming on. How are you coping? How, what's going on? Sydney, this is the first, right? Sydney World oh, Pride. Oh yeah, this on. is, I think, that, well this is definitely the first Sydney World Pride. But also yeah. I've been reflecting, I, I, I don't think there's been a time in our history where there's been so much new queer work being made across this city from the major cultural institutions to the major companies to the small to medium and independent sectors. It's simply extraordinary. And I've been so fortunate to be going along to some of the rehearsals of shows and especially the ones that we've um, invested money into so that we've helped get off the ground. And it's been a really, it's been actually quite profound Actually, I've been found myself quite emotional at times watching these incredible, diverse stories being told on our stages. And I, I even go, I mean, I, there's been such a journey of pride in this country over the last more than you know 50 years, but, but longer of activism. But even if I go back to when I was at high school in the, in the early 90s and remember I, I saw one play, Two Weeks with the Queen, um, <laughs> uh, in 1993 with one gay character. And now I'm going around these rehearsal rooms of these major companies in Sydney and watching not just one gay character, full, diverse, different stories, three-dimensional characters taking up these stages. And I just think, wow, we, we, we've come a long way. Yeah. So oh, it just it's incredible when you look around how much is going on. Yeah, like you say, from the really small independent fringe to the big festivals, to the art galleries, to, I don't know, everything is really embracing. And tell me some of the shows that you've kind of gone and seen in the rehearsal room. Yeah, so um, it's obvious it's open now, but I was, for, you know, Hubris and Humiliation at STC was like... Fantastic. Uh, uh, so, so, yeah, so great. Um but um, that's that that's now on and happening, and that was the first show, show to open in the season. Um, I was lucky enough to see the company run of the of Blessed Union by Maeve Marsden um, at Belvoir last week, and wow, that's a a great show, and that starts well, that started previewing and o- opens tonight at Belvoir, um, which is so exciting, and it was just real, it was really important to have. Um, a, a, a woman's story, a lesbian story on stage at a major um, company for five weeks running at, at Belvoir. Um, obviously with all, all, yeah, all of the companies that we um, have as part of the curated arts program, we had lots of conversations around what projects were coming up, what might be the right fit. And it was really important that this work was the one that Belvoir chose. And I think it's so great. Maeve Marston's an amazing community member and it's such a, uh, yeah, it's her big new first play, first big play, um, and can't wait for audiences to share that. And then I also um, I went to a rehearsal of the very first rehearsal of Choir Boy at, um, that's being done at Riverside Parramatta, um, and 
Oh, Lisa, who's our festival producer, and I were sitting in that rehearsal room. Day one, first read, and the incredible cast of young performers just start improvising a cappella gospel music around the table, and we just got goosebumps. It was quite emotional, actually. Um, sat in on the first, um, at the end of the first week of Kate Gould's camp, um, which is opening at Seymour, another really, really important work that looks at the history of activism um, in in Australia, and that's that that goes into previews this week and opens on Friday night, um, and and Sex Magic as well at Griffin Theatre. I um, popped in to look at some work there, and we've been at, at some readings along the way and developments over the last couple of years, and. That was a that's that's going to be a very special work, and it, what was really um, what I reflected on after while I was in the room that day at, at Griffin at the stables, I was thinking about that space and that lineage and the history of the stables, and for me, I was thinking, and now here we are in twenty twenty three, and that space is being owned by a. a, a, a a company, a cross-cultural company, telling a queer, a genderqueer story um, from a cultural, different cultural, cultural perspectives. And I just thought, wow, it's yeah. amazing that, that that story now sits in that space. Yeah. And that story, feel, it, it, that, that story is now part of our Australian new play history. Look, everyone that you just mentioned, they're all Australian writers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maya yeah. Marsden, Nicholas yeah. Brown from Sex Magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kate Gould. Elias uh, James uh, Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is an incredible thing. But the other thing that you mentioned there is about activism as a strong part of it. What are the stories that are being told? Are they, do we still have this activism in our writing? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. And I mean, some, absolutely. But I think there's, um, Different stories that are being told, and contemporary, uh, contemporary stories, and um, political and personal stories, you know, together. And there's different challenges, and there's different, um, different needs in terms of who, 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 who is, who still, who, who, who still doesn't have, um, you know, equal rights or equal space to tell stories. Um, I worked with. Um, Ben Gratz, who is an incredible creative leader as festival creative director. So we worked together on Sydney World Pride and we made um, some really strong decisions at the start when we were developing the creative strategy for Sydney World Pride. It was a festival that had never been done before in this country. There was no model. It was a startup essentially when we started. There was like, I think, six staff members. Um, and so we wanted to... we. We articulated our curatorial priorities in our creative strategy. So it was very much around um, making sure that in our program and in the works that Sydney World Pride invested in, we were prioritising the stories of those who had often been underrepresented in LGBTIQA plus arts and cultural festivals, but also in the wider landscape so our curatorial priorities um so this is when we we got we get pitched so many projects um we wanted to prioritize obviously first nations um stories and experiences um culturally and linguistically diverse artists artists um 
and people from the Asia, Asia Pacific, both from the region and, and from the diaspora, um, women, transgender and gender diverse artists and communities, um, artists living with disabilities, uh, young people, and of course our seniors and elders from the community. So that's how, that was one lens at how we looked at the projects that we, we were pitched. And I think you can really see that in the curated World Pride Arts program, um, that there is a, a, a breadth of stories and a breadth of experiences and a breadth of imagery across our galleries and in, in, our, in our concert halls and in our um, theatres. So we feel like um, that was a really important thing to do. The other thing about the curation of the program, I need to say, is that it was also really important that um, it wasn't just Ben and my voices who were curating this program. It was about a multiplicity of voices. So we um, developed a curatorial a team of curatorial associates, um, six of them from different um, art, back, art form backgrounds, but also from different lived experiences. And they um, gave us feedback, went through the assessment um, process of selecting which projects would be part of the festival um, and uh, linked us to their communities and brought their communities and networks into into the festival. So it's def it's been an amazing collaboration. Um, I call it like a citywide creative collaboration because the way that the festival model has worked in terms of the World Pride Arts Program is that we invested into projects the presenting companies are presenting those works. So they're the ones who are taking the risk, they're the ones who are selling the tickets, but we did a lot of brokering between artists and those companies and through some incredible funding from Create New South Wales and um, the Australia Council, we were able to invest in those projects. But this program could not be possible if our creative partners across this city didn't get behind it and prioritise it as part of their annual program. So it's a true, yeah, citywide creative collaboration. That's how I see it. Yeah, run run from the community. And with that kind of, you know, approach to having 10 curators, curatorial kind of consultants on it, I suppose, it's just broadens, oh, it just sounds just divine. Can you give me a, like such a great way to work and especially um, with some stories that can be challenging or you know, traumatic as well, you know, the kind of the, the darker side of our history. Can you give me a snapshot of the program, like like a list, like here and here and how many, I know you've got 300, over 300 events, like that kind of thing. Can you sort of give me an idea? Yeah, of course. So I'm going to give you like a just a quick snapshot of the World, World Pride program because there's yes. so many streams. People are like, there's a lot going on. So yeah. <laughs> there's, I'll, t I'll break it down. I've done this okay. so many times. <laughs> so there's World Pride Official. Now, that part of the program are all of the events that Sydney World Pride and or Mardi Gras are producing from the ground up. They're coming up, coming up with the creative concept, selling the tickets, taking the risk, and, and the reason why we got the bid, re reason why we won the bid. So that's like Live and Proud, the opening concert. That is the First Nations Gathering Space. That is the Human Rights Conference. That is um, Rainbow Republic Closing Ceremony, the Parade. Um, it's it, the, uh, the First Nations Gathering Space. That's, that's all of the official events. And then 
there's a World Pride Arts, which is where, where I've, um, with the, the team, curated that. There's probably around 75 projects in that across Sydney. Then there is World Pride Sports, um, which is around 20 um, sporting, sporting events. And then a key and really vital component of the program is um, Pride Amplified. So Pride Amplified is our open access program. And when we were coming up with the creative strategy and how what this model of the festival would be, it didn't feel right that we were the gatekeepers. We were the gatekeepers for this event that belonged to all, all of our city, all of the the country, our rainbow communities from around the world. So we wanted to have a program where if someone wanted to um, put on an event that aligned with an LGBTIQA plus arts and cultural festival, um, then they could in a similar fringe model. So there are around, um, I think, 250, 300 events in, in that um, program. And then on top of everything else, as part of also part of the official program, we've recently announced... Um, Pride Villages. So Pride, yeah, so Pride Villages is pretty amazing. It's been so, so much fun actually curating that program and employing so many artists. I think there's like, this. I'm sure there's 150 artists who are being employed in this program, but, or more. It's nine days of programming on Crown Street, free programming on an outdoor stage. Wow. And then two days, Oxford Street is also going to be closed for, um, a whole uh, party on the 4th and 5th and free programming, all the businesses are activating, roving performances. Um, so that's that's the quick summary. That is just <laughs> massive. It's like boggling. I don't know how you're sleeping. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> Sunday night was my last night at home. I was like, right. oh, this is my last night till March the 6th. But... <laughs> I tell you what, this is the exciting part of it. It's been a long time in the making for me, only two years, yeah. but Kate Wickett, who's the CEO, you know, started lobbying and started trying to get this to happen many years ago. And Ben Gratz also was part of the team that went to Athens in October 2019 to win the bid to host right. World Pride. So it's been, yeah, it's... It feels yeah. pretty momentous. It hasn't happened yeah. overnight. <laughs> no, no. Tell me, what do you think about, like, this is just showing how much <sighs> talent, I suppose, but for one thing for it to happen in a month, but what do you think about, like, how, how what is the after effect of mm. this kind of event? Does, you know, that kind of integration into the whole year rather than mm. kind of sticking, like, do you want to say something? Well, the, yeah, absolutely. So legacy has been a really big part of um, decision-making within the organisation and how the decisions we make might have a long-lasting legacy on whether it be artists or whether it be um, law changing, you know, changes to law or the region or the way world pride is rolled out in other countries. Um, what is our legacy for Mardi Gras? you know, mm. afterwards. So we're, we're thinking a lot about legacy. In terms of, um, I guess, the arts program, we are really wanting to profile these works and artists to international audiences, but also to um, the Australian performing arts market, which is a big 
um, an organisation that helps broker relationships between Australian artists and international and national presenters. It's also going to be here on the ground for five days, um, encouraging presenters and producers from around Australia and the world to connect with the shows and the works that are here so that they might be able to get picked up for other seasons. Um, Many of our arts partners attended, um, or wider than just our arts partners, many of our other partners and collaborators attended some really amazing inclusion training that Sydney World Pride ran. So, how to, you know, what, how to, how to make your venues safe at, during this time for artists and audiences, access, mm. um, insight, insight into um, mm. inclusion and access. So, there are those kind of things that um, also can leave a legacy. I think at the moment, what's so exciting is I'm running into artists around Sydney and they're showing me their schedules, their their work schedules over the next <laughs> three weeks. And it is, I've never seen anything like it. I saw Sean Miley Moores the other day. It's like, wow. Like they yeah. just gig after gig after gig after gig. So important coming out of these last two years that there's so much yeah. money going into the hands of artists. And I just say, it's got to continue. You can't just do it now and then that yeah. that's it. Like there's got to be, if you're, if, if these companies and these institutions and these organisations are embracing and supporting and developing these artists now, then they need to look after them into, in the, into the future as well. Exactly. And it shows that there is a hunger. There is. There's a demand as well as a supply. Absolutely. Daniel Clark, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Well, Regina, thanks. Thanks for listening and thanks for being interested in this um, incredible thing that the city's creating. Well, that was Daniel Clark, the Festival Director of Sydney World Pride, which is on already. It's all happening.